I, I don't know if it's just a matter of uh, educating people's tastes or or what. I think basically some people have better taste than others, and fortunately, the people with the less better taste are the majority. But uh. <laughs> episode one hundred ten, May twenty fifteen. In this interview with Mark Simonson, a great type designer who is maybe most famous for creating Proxima Nova, you will hear about proportions and rhythmic patterns in type design, visual pollution, taste, his design influences, choosing and pairing typefaces, as well as about contrast, typographical sins and hierarchy. Most designers are probably familiar with using grids for page layouts, books, magazines and so on. And I was wondering, how do you use grids for designing typefaces? Um, I imagine grids for typefaces work a bit different, being a lot smaller and all. Yeah, I don't know. I suppose it's possible that some type designers work with grids, the way you're saying. I've never really worked that way. You know, there's certain sort of rules of thumb in terms of like proportions that you can use. Like, um, you know, like if a typeface is on a 1,000 unit line height, the caps are usually about 700 and the lower case is usually about 500 things like that. But, you know, it's, I don't think grids are that common unless you're, say, working on a very, a font that's meant to be used in a low resolution. And then you want to be aware of how the, how the shapes of the letters fall on the pixel grid. But other than that, I don't know there's, I mean, there are some theories about the proportions of letters that are based on kind of a rhythmic pattern. So like say the lowercase n, if you have a whole row of lowercase n's, that's kind of like the base rhythm pattern and that all the other letters kind of fit in that rhythm in one way or another. Uh, so not not that they have the exact same proportions as the end, but that the rhythm, that they don't disrupt the rhythm that's created by that basic beat kind of. Are there any other letters of similar importance for creating this rhythm? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the basic characters that defines the spacing in the font. So that in the lowercase o and the uppercase h in the uppercase o, those are the letters that kind of define once you work out the spacing for those to get them to look even, then everything else is kind of relies on that. So they are a little bit like anchors. Yeah, if you get those wrong, then everything else will look wrong. <laughs> How do you deal with what uh, Vignelli called visual pollution in our environment? Hmm. Uh, I don't know that you can. <laughs> when I was uh, in college and learning about graphic design and and stuff, and it was like I was sort of imagining how how easy it would be to get a job and get somebody to hire you to do design because there was so much crap in the world, and that obviously, as soon as you show them, you know how beautiful it could be, then then you'd be you'd be set, you know. And and what I discovered is that actually the reason that the world looks that way is because that's what people want. <laughs> so uh, and it's hard to hard to uh, so it's kind of an uphill battle. But does it bother you when you go on the street and maybe sit down in a restaurant and you have a menu in your hand and you see a horrible typeface? Does it really kind of bother you or just... It it bugs me, but, you know, it's like, like I said, you know, I, I imagine that, you know, like I would see, oh, look, this restaurant has this terrible menu. I will bring my portfolio in and tell them that I will save them from their terrible design. And you go in there and they say, what's wrong with it? We like it this way, you know. <laughs> it's like, this is what we paid for. <laughs> So it's kind of, it's kind of a, I don't know if it's just a matter of uh, educating people's tastes or, or what. I think basically some people have better taste than others. And fortunately, the people with the less better taste are the majority. But uh, <laughs> Can you name a few designers uh, that influenced you, maybe also outside from type design? Well, when I was starting out, I was, 
I was really influenced by uh, Herb LeBallon and also Milton Glaser. They were very popular during the 70s. Another big one was uh, George Lois, who was an advertising designer. I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah, Pushpin in general was a big influence on me. Probably kind of influenced my appreciation of sort of old-fashioned type styles or sort of retro, I guess you'd call it for a better term, uh, art deco and things like that. Michael Durrett, who was a lettering artist, I really liked his work back when I first saw it back in the 70s. He's still around and I've actually sort of collaborated with him a little bit on one of his fonts. I did the technical work on uh, Metroscript, which is one of his big uh, successes, I think, in the type design world. But, you know, I don't want to claim any credit for the design itself. He, that was all him. But also uh, Jim Parkinson, who's still around. He's a San Francisco lettering guy who has also done some type design. He was doing uh, typefaces for Rolling Stone magazine back in the 70s and did a lot of uh, lettering on their cover, kind of redrew their um, uh, logo several, at least once, I think. I think several times he's redone it. But uh, uh, let me think who else. Uh, what about Edward Tufty? Yeah, Edward Tufty. I've, uh, I discovered him in the 90s and really really like his ideas about uh, the simplicity of uh, information design and keeping things really understandable and straightforward and not uh, trying to decorate the information. Yeah, he's a, a big influence. Another one is uh, from, is it uh, uh, Donald Norman, who's a, kind of an industrial designer who seems like maybe he's worked with Apple. I'm not sure about that. But he's an industrial designer and has some really great ideas about, you know, making design kind of self-evident, I guess. You know, like the great example is when a door has to have a sign on it that says push or pull, then it's poorly designed. It should be obvious whether you push or pull it by the design of the handle on the door. Things like that. Uh, was it Victor Papanek? Uh, I read a book of his back in the 70s that was uh, really influenced me a lot. Design for the real world. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure there's lots of others. Do you have um, any tips for beginners for how to choose typefaces in general? Boy, um, get a book. <laughs> there's books <laughs> on how to do that. I guess I mostly learned by kind of emulating the designers that I admired. Like I said, you know, like, yeah, I was a big fan of uh, Herb LeBallon and Upper and Lowercase Magazine in particular, and uh, also Pushpin. And those two things influenced my ideas about, about how to use type a lot. I also remember some books that I read in college. Uh, one was, uh, was it, uh, no, the last name is Nelson, did a book on uh, publication typography. God, I can't think of his last name or first name. And also, um, uh, Carl Dare did a book on typography. I'm not, I think it's probably out of print now. And that had a lot of very basic information about using type and things like contrast. And when you have contrast, you know, you don't want to have contrast on too many different axes at the same time. Just pick one or two, like scale or color or size, style or something like that, and, and keep it simple and not use more than, like, say, four sizes on a, on a page, things like that. And what are your recommendations for pairing typefaces? For pairing typefaces? I guess contrast is the key there. You want two typefaces that complement each other and contrast each other. You don't want typefaces that are too similar in too many dimensions. If you have two typefaces that are the same size, then there should be some contrast in weight or style. If you already have a difference in size, then that's less important. So, you know, I guess the key is contrast. And any sins, everybody should avoid using type? Yeah, uh, avoid using straight quotes. 
that seems to be a perpetual problem. It seems like um, software should have solved that problem by now, but still see uh, straight quotes, at least in a, a Western type or American typography in English. Uh, or apostrophes, that's another one that gets used incorrectly. Uh, another thing is just, um, I guess, just using default fonts all the time. Although there's nothing wrong with default fonts, you know, it, it's possible to do good work with default fonts, but uh, it tends to look like uh, not very distinctive, I guess. But um, I guess another one is setting type justified without hyphenation, which seems like a really obvious one. But that's like why I never use the Kindle app on my iPad is because that's how they set type in the Kindle app. I think even uh, iBooks has that as a default sometimes. But it's like, if you're not going to hyphenate, don't don't justify it. Don't fully justify it. You know. Yeah, what else? Uh, other mistakes, I guess, um, trying to emphasize too many things at the same time. And creating not enough contrast that way? Right, right. Not Like, in other words, you need a kind of a visual hierarchy. You need to decide what's the most important thing and make that the most prominent and not try to make everything important. So, you know, in other words, uh, figuring out what the reader should focus on and calling attention to that and uh, and having kind of a cascade or hierarchy of information or whatever. I don't know. There's a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs>